for those of you who haven't been here all, all three nights, this is the opportunity for those who have been um, the last couple nights uh, to witness what you believe. In the first night, we talked about Romans 10, 9 of memorizing this. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was risen from the dead, you will be saved. And so if you came up that night um, and you said that and confessed out loud that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart he was risen from the dead, you got your ticket to heaven validated. And, and, and so that was wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful. to So be sure to keep that it handy because you never know when you're going to need it that you've got this ready to go. But memorize the scripture. And then last night we talked about sharing that with someone else. So if you are new and don't have a card, here's a chance for some of you who said, I'm going to share Jesus to at least one person. Tonight's your night. Just share the card over there with them. But we want to say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation for everyone who has faith. And so we, we remember this and we're not ashamed because when we open our mouth, the power of God speaks through us and it cuts to the heart of people. If we love the Lord, we're going to let the love of God uh, be shared with others. And then tonight, Romans 8, 1 and 6 is the memory verse, but I'm going to read all through 1 through 6. But I want you to see the memory verse and say it with me. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So we have that to remember and, and put to our minds and our hearts as we learn what God would have us to hear tonight. So I wanted to share, um, as I was driving here and giving God thanks that it wasn't raining, I shared with you on the first night about a vision I had at Sandy Ridge about 10 years ago. Um, and it was about us selling these Easter eggs, these chocolate Easter eggs, and we, we couldn't make enough. It was a Lucy and Ethel kind of moment, and and we, we sold too many and didn't have enough, and we didn't even have a kitchen, so we were making these in Sunday school classrooms, and we hope it was sanitary. We hope so. But um, so I went home, and I worried, and it was actually um, Palm Sunday, and I asked for forgiveness for God because we had to start that Palm Sunday afternoon, or we weren't going to make our our quota before Easter, so we did, and, and on Palm Sunday, I'm not kidding you, this, this day we started out making chocolate Easter eggs that a tornado came through uh, in High Point, so we all ran and got in the closet, and we were kind of giggly and laughing about it, like God's going to strike us down, and so um, we, we got out of that closet, and we, you know, we should have went home, but we went back to making Easter eggs, because we were all about the Easter eggs. And, um, and then we got a call again. A second cell had been spotted, and it was coming through uh, Sandy Ridge Road. And, and so here we were, uh, having to put all of this stuff up and run to the closet. I mean, we had chocolate on light switches and everywhere you can imagine. We were like, ah, it was chaos. And so I, I told you about a dream I had that evening. went home, and I worried about it, tossed and turned. And the, the dream was about me being at that church and hellfire and damnation it was coming out of the sky and, and, and just, just chaos. And there was a muddy parking lot and, and, and people rushing in our church with mud on them. 
Now, it would take a rocket scientist to know this was chocolate, right? But in my dream, it was mud, and they were coming in, and they were just people off the streets, and, and they were buying things. We were selling some kind of food, which makes you think maybe they were Easter eggs. I don't know. And the, but upstairs was a second level. We did not have a second level to this church, just a, a, a main level. And it, it was white and clean and organized and all, and people were sitting in chairs calmly saying, what do we need to, be, to do to be saved? Because the end you know, of the world was coming outside. And I'm like, I don't know. And I ran down the hall, and my husband was teaching another class, and he said, I don't know. We're just kind of holding the fort. And, and then the Lord told me in the dream, Romans 10, 9, if you confess Jesus is Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I had to look it up because I'm a Methodist, not a Baptist, so I had to go look it up the next day. And, and that has been the scripture that God has imparted on my heart. If nothing else, uh, I forget everything else, don't forget that one and tell everybody, Romans 10, 9, just Romans 10, 9, because there's going to be people desperate in life, and, and that's really a good one to run to. Well, I was driving here tonight, and 10, ten years or so later, um, the Lord gives me another piece of what that meant. You want to hear what it means? Oh, my goodness. I was like, this is this for me or them? So he shared, again, this, this vision with everybody in chaos running with mud coming in the, the church on the bottom floor, and on the top floor it was white and clean, and, and, and peaceful. And he said, Mary, this is the church right now. In the basement, everybody is dwelling, and it's chaos and messy church. And we're doing as good as we can trying to feed people and, and show them the right way, and we're getting very little results. But there's a second floor that is peaceful it is perfect. It is right. God, thank you. <laughs> and he said, church, I want you to go upstairs now to this place of the Holy Spirit because I've got this. So this is the word for us tonight. I'm speaking particularly to the church I love, the United Methodist Church. But if you're Baptist or Pentecostal or Church of God, God bless you. Help us out. Pray for us. But the United Methodist Church is in chaos we're on the bottom floor, and everybody's running in different directions, and, and, and nobody is meeting Jesus because of it. And we're working ourselves to the bone with very little results. And I'm tired. <laughs> I don't know if you're tired. My church is tired. We are tired. And so I said, Lord, thank you for this word tonight. Thank you, thank you, because you've got a remedy for this if we'll listen. My husband, Doug, said, now, Mary... You don't need to talk so much like last night. He said, when you get to heaven, you're going to be speechless, and that's going to be the day. And I'm like, I doubt it, but um, I'm sorry I talk a lot. It, it's how I process, so just be honest. But I want us to read Romans um, chapter 8, 1 to 6, because God has something to say to us tonight, and I'm speaking to me as well as you. I hope you know that. I'm not going anywhere. I, I'm not taking you anywhere I don't want to go. Um, so I want to just offer this up as we hear God's word together. Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, 
because through Christ Jesus the law, the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on the spirit, what it desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the sinful man is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Here is God's word for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as I said, if you're tired and worn out, church worker, this is for you. Or maybe just a Christ follower, you're tired and worn out. Or maybe you're not even yet a Christ follower because you're seeing Christ followers and saying they're tired and worn out. I don't know about that. Um, everybody's welcome to this uh, sermon tonight because God has more for us. Day one and two, the whole goal was to look at the cross. We can't get into heaven unless we go through the cross. And that's on your card, the cross. And if you'll notice, I took the time to color the cross red because United Methodists got it wrong. Red is a color of blood of Jesus. We have a black cross and a red flame. And uh, the flame is blue. I looked it up, and you know the hottest color of fire is not red. It is blue. So we're like, no wonder. A few years ago, I, I did a natural church development study, and it was called The Three Colors of Ministry. And this is free. This is extra tonight, free. And, and I read it. It was wonderful. It took me a while. I had to read the book through a couple times, and they said this. Imagine God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has assigned colors. Now, this is a metaphor. It's not in the Bible. Then they, in the Father God, his Father nature is green. And think about nature. Think about stewardship. Think about missions. Think about all the things that United Methodists do. We got green carpet right here, so we're right in line with that. Uh, we are doers. We love to hurt, help the hurt and needy, don't we? We, we are champions of uh, seminaries and schools and hospitals. You know, the United Methodist Church has done a lot of good around the world. So we love uh, all things bright and beautiful. The Father God who created us all. And then imagine Jesus Christ is red, the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so we, we really, we, we, we hop on that and realize it takes the blood of Jesus, to cover our sins and break us free. And then imagine the Holy Spirit's a color blue. Blue is a color of the sky and of the uh, waters, and we think about the Holy Spirit moving in both of those places, um, the waters of baptism, and also um, just being ascended into heaven, Jesus was. So we think about blue. Well, they said in nature, if you get a pure green light, a pure red light, and a pure blue light. You know what color it makes? White! Isn't that amazing? So look at your light bulbs the next time and go, we're, we're off a color or two. 
Now, I am going to simplify this analogy, and this again, this is free. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry in advance, and I am typifying things. But Methodists usually operate in the green zone because we're doers. We, we love being busy about God's work, and there's <coughs> nothing wrong with that. But if we're all green, we miss some of the other parts. Baptists are awesome working in the red. I mean, they count heads up at the altar. We didn't even count. We just figure, hey, God sees. But Baptists, that's their number one. We want to get them to the altar, no matter what. Even if they don't join our church, we want them to the altar. Billy Graham was just excellent in this. And then Pentecostals are all over the blue. They love operating the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And so I thought about that, and I said, you know, in the United Methodist Church, we actually have all three of those characteristics in John Wesley. And you think an old Anglican preacher, old stuffy preacher from England, but he made sure that children were fed and there were, there were justice uh, laws made in his community. Um, he also made sure people were afraid of the wrath to come and he preached salvation. And then did you know that John Wesley actually um, was involved in the spiritual warfare? He even had to write about going to deliver demons from children and didn't really know how to do that and didn't want to go do that, but he did that. Did you know that about John Wesley? So he had all of these colors through the grace of God. So I said, wow, we are we're operating not always in all of our strengths, but we have them, and every church has them. And if a church someday ever joins of all the denominations, we'll see all of these colors, won't we, represented, and more. So I just share that in the power of the flame, and the blue is the hottest color for us. So Jesus tonight is on the cross that saves us of our sin. It's kind of the vehicle that brings us salvation. Um, but the flame is what fuels and powers this church that he's left behind to, to deliver the good news. And so tonight I want to help put fuel in your tank as we think about how, how easy it is to be in ministry if we'll just operate in this place um, in the spirit. That's what Paul wanted us to hear. He said there was a war going on between flesh and spirit. And you're either on one side or the other. And sometimes you're on both talking to yourself. Maybe if you see someone in a store that's talking to themselves, you're like, maybe I need to call 911. Maybe they're having a spiritual warfare to themselves. I don't know. But we have this sometimes. We we fight with our flesh. We mean to do well. We mean to follow. We, we mean to... Uh, be obedient to, to Christ, and then something comes up, and I, you know, we fail him daily, and, and we, we got to continue to work with our flesh. And I'm frankly tired of that. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of going up to the altar and saying, I'm sorry I let you down again. I need more, and, and we need more as a church. We need the power of God. So Paul said, number one, was there is no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. Do you know what condemnation means? It, it means condemned to death as a criminal, always um, breaking the law, always a penalty for that. Condemnation offers up things like fear and shame and guilt and inadequacy and control and destined for destruction and death, being a loser. And where does that come from? 
the devil. He's an accuser. He likes to get you all in trouble all the time. I have a brother. He is not the devil, by the way. He doesn't live here. He's back in West Virginia. But my twin sister and I love, love, love each other. But he had a way of putting a wedge between us, especially in the car. And, and he would get us fighting, and finally we'd be pulling hair and scratching each other. And he'd just look away like he didn't start it at all. And he'd walk away. And I'm going to talk to you here tonight. Does this not happen in church where good people doing great things get in a room and all of a sudden they fight about something? We had one uh, fundraiser at a church, and, and I, it was a beautiful Valentine's dinner, and we're having candlelight dinner, steak dinner, and all of a sudden I hear this cat fight out in the hallway of two of my church members fighting over who has the tea and who has the water. And they were pulling um, at each other. And so finally one of them got mad and stormed out, and you could just, in this nice, quiet music, you could just hear it. And I'm like, what? What was that about? Well, it was my tea. I was the one to carry the tea. And I said, really? Really? Um, these are good people. The tea got in the way, you know. But think about the things that stir us up. I mean, Mark could write a book. I could write a book. Doug over here could write a book. Larry. Um, all the things that people fight over that aren't going to make it to heaven. What color carpet we're going to pick for this. How the kitchen ought to be designed. And whether we got an ice maker or not. I mean, the things that we fight over. And then we're fighting over as a church how little of people we have. So we're like, well, I did the nursery and I have retired from the nursery. Let me, let me hear an amen to that. Um, I did my time. You know, I hear this all the time. Like, really? You're still in prison? You did your time in the nursery. I mean, that is a horrible place to spend time. Really? I said, one Sunday, I'm just going to put a note on my pulpit and say, I'm in the nursery. Y'all preach today, right? Because we fight. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy our birthright, our inheritance, our place in that pleasant garden. He's come to widen the gap between us and God, and he'll use anything and anybody to do it. And so the next time you find yourself falling in that pit, please don't blame your neighbor because she pushed me in. Take your own responsibility and go, we let the devil in today, and we repent of that. We, we invited him to the table. We gave him the best place at the table, and we needed to say there's a door. So... I just want to share that, that there is uh, the, the battle of the flesh, and if you don't know it by now, the devil comes to call on Sunday morning between 8.30 and 12. I had a friend at seminary who was in a more Pentecostal tradition. He said, you know what's wrong with you, Methodist? And I said, what? He said, the Holy Spirit comes after 12 o'clock. I said, that must be it, because we're like, so that's why I keep my people over past 12 o'clock. That's really the reason, Ann. Um, so we've got to begin to choose sides, whose side we're on, and begin to listen to the Holy Spirit in our lives and say, you know, I, I don't want to work in the flesh anymore. I want to work with Jesus. I don't want to care what everybody else says. I want to care what Jesus says. And, and he's never going to lead you down the wrong way. He's never going to make a fool of you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
a few years ago, I was trying to hold together a worship service and be calm and organized, and the Lord kept saying to me, kneel, and I said, no, I'm behind the pulpit, and if I kneel, they'll think I fell, dial 911, I don't know, uh, plus, you know, I had a, a dress on, and how would that look? You know, I was just going all this stuff in my fleshly head, and the Lord kept saying, kneel. So it was a song called, Here I Am to Worship, Here I Am to Bow Down, and on the bow down, I, I, I felt like the holy hand of God pushed me down. And then I realized, that wasn't so bad, that didn't hurt a bit. And my church, they were not upset. In fact, they said, we saw what was happening. They could see the wrestling going in my mind, and they were praying, just give it up. God's going to win. And after that, I loved worship because I didn't have to control worship. I just stepped in the platform, which is what Franklin and, and Wayne were doing, is just saying, we're not here to perform. We're here to worship, not in the flesh, because performance is flesh, but we're to worship in the spirit, and we're invited into Jesus' party. And there are no rules in Jesus' party except leaving the phone at the door. So you can raise your hands up if that's authentic to you, and the church will not, ceiling will not fall in. And you can, you can be a Quaker and, and just be quiet. You can dance in the aisle, Lana. You, you can lay on the floor. There are no rules when it's in the spirit when you're with God. But Methodists, we like method, we like order, <laughs> and we like the flesh. And we got to repent of that because these pews are going to be empty at some point because we're too worried about the flesh instead of letting God have over. We're operating on that ground-level church, and God's saying, take it up one notch, and I'll help you in this place because you're going to depend on me. So let me say that Paul was saying, if you live in the flesh... You can expect death. You can expect alienation from God. You can wonder, where is God in all of this? If you work in the Spirit, you have life and you have peace and you have power. So let me just give you uh, um, some ideas of what this might look like. Maybe your church already has this, but our church is working on this. Every Sunday, it flip and flops. Some Sundays we get it and others we're still we're still. Uh, trying to move in that place. Our prayer group was reading a book that uh, recently called by Kevin Zadai. His first book's called Praying in the Heavenly Realm, which was life-changing. The second one that was more fascinating to me is called It's Rigged in Your Favor. I like the word rigged because it means cheating. What does that mean? Right? I, I'm going to listen. How can, I, I was awful playing Monopoly. I liked to be the banker. We'll say no more. To be rigged in a favor. So Kevin Zadai, he actually died and went to heaven in an operation procedure, one of these. And he got to see heaven, and he had some fascinating things. What he saw when he got to heaven was a lot of predictable things that we hear other people see, when they like the gates and um, all the people greeting and all of that. But he said he saw Jesus, and he looked in Jesus' eyes, and he wanted to see Jesus' eyes, what color they were color do you think Jesus' eyes are? You don't know that color yet. You haven't gone to heaven, that's why. It's probably white, white light. But he looked in Jesus' eyes, and in Jesus' eyes, he saw his unformed body. 
he saw Jesus forming him in Jesus' eyes, and he said, and I saw the Heavenly Father. I got this sense that as I'm being formed, that he's writing a book about me, like a baby book, a journal. And he, and he got kind of happy and scared at the same time, like, I'm responsible for what's in that book. i got to live into what God has created me to be. So he saw this up there, and he also saw that, that the idea that Jesus is like, there's all these people, communion of saints, angels, say, you're going back, but you're going to win. Everything you do in the name of Jesus, you're going to win. So if you start living your life that you can't lose, you're going to win because it's rigged in your favor because you're a child of God and the devil can't touch you and stop living like a victim and live like a victor because that's who you are in Jesus Christ. Isn't that something? So I'm like, church, quit living like a victim. Like we don't have any money. We don't have any people. We, we don't have any parking. We, you know, this sort of thing. Just start living like the Pentecostals, your victors in Jesus Christ. You have power. You have power. So much untapped power, we have no idea because we're operating on the bottom level. And I'm preaching to myself because I'm tired on Sunday nights because I'm operating out of Mary's strength, out of the flesh, not out of the spirit. And God offers that, just like Kevin said. We, we have this heavenly realm we could be walking in it. You don't have to die to live in the heavenly realm. You could just change your mind on heavenly things. And all of a sudden, the earth dims away. All of a sudden. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing um, testimony. So here's what can happen when we walk in the spirit instead of the flesh. First thing is that we will have courage in the Holy Spirit. Some of you were like, I'm not ashamed to share the gospel, and I'm not either. I like talking, as you can see. I'll make a friend uh, at a store, and some of you, I think Mary Lockhart made a friend this week, so we're not afraid to talk. Uh, maybe it won't come out right, but we're going to say something better than nothing, right? But some of you are like, ah, that's not my thing, talking. Um, but, but for me, I don't feel called to go to a foreign country, like... Um, uh, Africa, be a missionary and live in the woods, that's not my thing. Some of it's your thing. But we all have something that, that is fearful to us. And so we don't ever step out. And even church does. We're like, I don't know if we should try this new evangelism technique because I don't know. We might just fail. We all have something in us that's in the flesh that says, ah, I don't know. And so we have to begin to walk in the spirit. The Power for courage. You know, Jesus instructed his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They were in love with Jesus. They saw him die on the cross. They went on the third day and saw that he was risen. And, and here he's coming to visit with them in his post-resurrection ex experiences. I mean, they're on a cloud, and yet they're still fearful, still locked away fearful of what people are going to do and say to them. And when the Holy Spirit comes on them, they were transported from an upper room to an upper, upper room. And they had this power and this courage. They took 120 so-called followers and they made them into full-fledged disciples and evangelists. And 3,000 men and then women and children that weren't really counted in that day 
uh, were saved in one service. Can you imagine what would happen at Pleasant Garden if 3,000 men plus their wives and, and their children were saved in Pleasant Garden? Is there 3,000 that live in Pleasant Garden? I don't know. Maybe that's all. Hallelujah. There would be some church happening over here. But we'll never move into this place of courage if we still stay in the flesh and on the ground floor. We're also going to have the power to witness the Holy Spirit. And, and so Jesus told them that there are going to be people that are going to be after you. Mark 13, he says, Jesus told them the good news has to be preached to all nations. Before the end comes, you will be arrested and you will be brought to trial. But don't worry ahead of time about what you will say because God will bring you to mind what to say at the right time. And it will not be you speaking, but the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through you. Do you know when he said that the disciples are kind of clueless because they're operating on the ground floor. They're kind of on the tail of Jesus watching him do miracles and so forth. And they're like, we got to do this when he leaves. What is this? They didn't have seminary classes. They didn't have Bible bookstores. They had to go on Jesus' word from his mouth. This would happen. You all have cute little Bible tracks and all kinds of things. There's no excuse for us to go, well, I don't think I remember what to say. Well, you, got, you got cell phones and smartphones, and you, you can look up a, a secret scripture. No one looks. You know, we, we can do this. But we've got to not be ashamed of the gospel because it has the power to save. 90% of the struggle is opening your mouth. But God has promised your words won't come back void. You will have the power to serve in the Holy Spirit. God will surprise you if you make yourself available. And he will also give you the strength to do what you think you cannot do. Don't be like Martha that is so busy that she runs herself into a nervous breakdown. And then she blames her sister. I believe Mary was also serving but took a moment to breathe and see what was really going on. When you all served tonight, I watched, uh, you, you talked with each other, you communed with each other. That's what God wants you to do, just to say it's not about the food, it's about the fellowship, it's about the one-on-one -on -one conversations, because in that, you don't know, but someone might just to feel trust and, and unload their whole need on you at that very moment. So be having the power to serve what God calls us to do, and every job is important, from cooking to cleaning to preaching to doing music. Everybody is important. Whatever you do, work for the glory of God. You will have the power of wisdom. I saw this personally, and I'm glad Doug's not here tonight, my husband, because he would, he would argue. But we were in a tornado in 1998, and that was when they had CNN headline news that you go around the world every 15 minutes. And I said, please do not say something stupid because it's going to go around every 15 minutes. And that's, you know, they come in the moment of crisis and you can't have think. And they put a microphone in your face and say, how's the people doing? Because your her church is gone. And, and, and when he spoke, he was like 30 years old, but he was like 70. His wisdom was there. And I was like, what? I know this man. He's smart, but he's not that smart, okay? That was the power of God speaking in him and through him. And I just, I have a videotape. 
and I watch it every once in a while and go, that's still good. This time I watched it over, you know. Think about the power of God to give you wisdom, the right word in the right season um, to be able to, um, to lead people to Christ. I have an elderly woman in my church, Mildred, and she couldn't get to church for a couple weeks, so we went to visit her, and her eyes don't work anymore, but she loves, loves, loves reading the Bible. So her son gave her a wonder Bible, which is a digital Bible that just goes on and on and on, and, and she just has it day and night playing this digital Bible. And I'm like, Mildred, this is awesome. We came in her house. She said, listen, God told me a few years ago that junk goes in and junk goes out. And I love, love, love my soap operas. She's now in her 90s. And she said, the Lord said, turn it off and start listening to me. And I did. I was obedient and I did. And it's changed my life. So not saying for you that watch soap operas, but she cut it off. And it was wonderful to hear that. So I thought, well, I'm going to just, as I'm praying for you all and for this, this time this week, I'm just going to fill the house up with an audio Bible. And that's what I did last Monday, all day. Doug was gone. He was out of town. I had the house to myself. And I just played this audio Bible as I'm cleaning, as I'm sleeping. All this you know, Bible was just running. And it was wonderful. It changed the whole climate of the house. I normally put music on, but this was just the word of God and it it just sewed right into my spirit. So that very night I went to bed and I still said, I'm going to leave it on just through the night as I sleep. Um, that way if I hear anybody in the house, I won't worry. I've, you know, I got the word of God. And and I went to bed and you're going to laugh. I I said, the, the devil started back in the flesh and he's like, what are you going to wear next week? You don't know what you're going to wear. What women do you have it from? And I, you know, I have nothing in my closet to wear, you know, so I'm going through the closet inventory trying to sleep and I finally go to sleep and I wake up, no kidding, the Lord says, don't worry about what to wear, even the birds of the air, are, you know, clothed. And it just happened on the audio Bible. So I'm like, God, thanks. I go back to bed. About two more hours, I hear, don't worry about what to wear. And I thought, is it skipping? Is this possible? Or I'm in another gospel of, you know, maybe I'm in Mark instead of Matthew. So then third time that night, I wake up around 4 or 5 in the morning. I can't remember. It was, it was dark. And don't worry about what to wear. And I said, this is nuts. Okay. If I weren't walking in the Holy Spirit, I'd be running toward the door. And I thought, was he talking on the audio Bible or was he talking? That's awesome. I said, thank you, Mildred. I told her what happened, and she laughed. But I want to tell you, don't worry what to wear. What Jesus is really saying to me was, clothe yourself in righteousness, not to worry about anything else, but you walk with me, and I will clothe you with the power from on high. That's what he was trying to say, and I'm still thinking about what I have in my closet. The power of prayer. You will have a different level of prayer when you walk in the Holy Spirit. You're going to actually be elevated to pray not up to heaven, but down to earth. If you're walking in the Spirit, your position of prayer changes. It's really, really cool. It's changed our prayer group because now we're agreeing with what we're seeing in the heavenly realms. We have someone right now that's struggling for his life with addiction, and he has been mean all his life, I tell you. He's alienated everybody. But God has placed him in our care and his parents, and we love him. And God let one of our people in the prayer team see him as a little boy before all the trouble came in the life and how he's alienated everybody. She started saying, 
I see him when he's six years old. So I went and told the mother, I said, uh, we've been praying, and one of our prayer group persons said she's praying for that six-year-old little boy. And she said he's trapped. And, and the mother said there was something that happened when he was six years old. Is that not God? So now we're really praying. We're like, now we got the inside track. We can battle this in the heavenly realms. We cannot battle it in the, the earthly realm. All we can say is, Lord, we hope he gets well. Amen. But up here, we're like, let him go. Devil, you cannot have him. He belongs to God. And we have a Sunday school teacher praying for him. She's anointed prayer. I'm like, devil does not have a chance. You know who the victim is here? It is a devil. And let's kick his butt. Let's get him on down. So prayer can change when you're up on the second floor. The guidance that we can say, you've ever asked, Lord, if you just write things down, I'll follow you. I'm just waiting for the handwriting on the wall. If God puts handwriting on your wall, you better run for the door because he will at some point let you know exactly what you do. And you have to decide, do I want to do it? You've got to be more afraid of God than the devil in the world. You've got to be more afraid of leaving people in darkness and sin and maybe on the pathway to hell than you are what people think. Do you see? Church? We have the power of truth. Let me just say, in this messed up world, there's no moral compass. But you and I know when we read God's word, it just leaps off the page, and it's a no-brainer. And you're like, right, there's a the truth. Jesus said, if you know Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by him. No one. And so we know we can stand firm in the word of God. We can stand firm in the truth. When people and pastors say all kinds of things, if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right, but go test the scriptures, and you will know the truth. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. He's consistent in truth. You know who's not consistent is the devil, and he is such a liar, he gets caught up in his own lies. He is, and he doesn't have many new tricks. He has the same old things, and if you're like me, I fall for some of them and go, why did I do that? I walk right into that. Wake up and say, you know, he is a liar and he continues uh, to try to hold us hostage. But you're now in the spirit and you don't have to fall for that. You have the power of provision. Let me tell you what God does in, in supernatural realm is he already knows when he calls you to do something, he already has it worked out for you to do what he calls you to do. And you go, I don't know if I can do that. I don't think I have the money to do that. I don't have the time to do that. And God has a way if he calls you to do it, if it's Jonah, you saw what happened to Jonah. He got, God had his way, uh, but God has provision. I had a friend, um, he came up here for revival, Craig Marsh, and he told me a story that is crazy, uh, but he was in the backwoods of New Zealand being a missionary, and they were so poor, they were on their equivalent of food stamps. And they got to the end of the month, and they had no food, maybe some tea in their cupboard and maybe some biscuits, so if it was my house, the biscuits would have been gone at the end of the month. But they had nothing. And he's having church and a family visits. And before he could say something, his mouth opened. And he said, come to lunch. And his wife looked at him like, I'm going to kill you. We have no food sort of thing. Do you remember this story? He told, I was just crazy. And he said, God will provide. He spoke in faith. And still he was working in the flesh like, I don't know how you're going to provide, 
You're going to provide. So they went home, and he's having a long distraction of a conversation in the living room, hoping his wife, who's trying to find something, appear out of nothing in the uh, kitchen, will come up with something. And all of a sudden, they get a rap on the door. Someone knocks on the door and, and leaves a pot roast in a pot with every, every, all the veggies, everything, a whole meal in a pot. And they don't stay around. And they just like, he has, he says, I had so much joy picking up the pot roast and waltzing it in and saying, see, God provides. He said later he found out someone in his church realized he had a company and they were sitting down, the two of them, to dinner and said, we can't eat all of this. How about we take it over there and add to what they're eating, which was nothing. Isn't that God? That's God's economy and God's math. You won't see it if you work in the flesh. If you work in the spirit, you will see it. So we have just some other things. God's going to give you the power to love people. You know, God loves everybody, but he has wrath. He hates sin. His grace is bigger than his wrath. His kindness and mercy endure forever. But if God can love everybody, even hate sin, hate sinners, but he loves us enough to die for us, we could find it in ourselves to love everybody too because God loved us. It's a supernatural ability to forgive, and we don't have to like it, we don't have to understand it, but we have the ability to do that and offer forgiveness. If we don't, we're like what Paul said, a clanging symbol, and people will see right through us. We have this ability. We could go on and on about what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, but God is calling you somewhere in your life right now to say, I don't want to operate on the ground level. I want to go upstairs now where the life is easy because it really is. Jesus said that uh, my, my burden is light if we place it on him. So I'm going to invite you tonight for our closing invitation. And some of you are still worried about the punch hole key thing. So I got a plan for that. I've asked some of my pastors to come forward, and, and we're going to invite you to be anointed with oil. Now, you all have the Holy Spirit in you. The moment you receive Jesus, you've got the whole picture and package. But if you're like me, I didn't know what I had. I didn't know my car was a V8 for a while. Then I put on the pedal and realized it's got some power behind it. But the anointing of oil is just saying, Lord, we're going to put water on it or oil on it. We're going to see it grow and blossom. We want to get up to that second level, that spiritual realm. We don't want to operate in the flesh anymore. We want to be in this second level. We may have family right now that's going through addiction, and you know and I know that they're going to continue to fall back in that trap until unless some miracle happens. And I know that they want to say, I just, I just want to go to the next level. I want to put that behind me and have a breakthrough. I don't want to keep going through it. Some of you know in your lives, maybe with illness, you're like, I'm done with this. My flesh is not behaving. I'm done with this body that's broken. I don't want it to get any more airtime. I want to be up on the second level. I'm done with cancer. I'm done with all those treatments. I want to be on the next level where God can use that for his glory. So I just invite you tonight to think about what color flame you want to operate in uh, because God has offered that to all of us, the power of the flame, the Holy Spirit. And God will prevail.
in all things. So we're going to invite you to come and be clothed in Christ's righteousness just to remind you as an outward sign of an inward grace that he's got more for all of us. And the reason he does is he wants to see everybody within the sound of our voice come to know the same Jesus Christ that we know. But we need help. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for your word that doesn't come back empty. And tonight we know and we confess as persons, but also as Christians and as United Methodists, we have been going around the same tree for a long time trying to fix a problem out of the flesh, and we're tired. But we know that the promise is that we can begin to walk in our inheritance in the heavenly realm right now. Until you come and call us home, we can stand in that place with you and be your hands and feet that carry the gospel with power and authority, Lord, that will break people free. But we need help. So we ask that your Holy Spirit would give us a nudge, a kick, whatever it takes, that you'd move us in a new place. And the reward for that is that we have this peace about us, this order about us, uh, just this provision and, and this care about us that comes from you. You want to commune with us. And so we invite your Holy Spirit to come and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to ask the pastors to come up and, and help with this. And what they're going to do, I'm going to invite them, is if you need more power in your brain, let's just say I'd like to teach Sunday school and I have a hard time remembering things, I want you to anoint, ask, to anoint your head. If it's your hands and you're like, I'd like to be better at serving, I'm, I'm really the Martha that you talked about, ask them to anoint your hands. If it's your feet, I'm afraid to go anywhere outside of my comfort zone, anoint the feet. Um, let's not get too personal space, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> what it is that if it's your mouth, anoint the mouth. You see? Because God wants you to live in this new place. If you have never received Jesus Christ, that this is the night for you to come and be part of the family of God. I'm just going to say it's hard out there to try to live without Jesus Christ. And so tonight's a night you're in a comfortable, safe place to come and know Jesus Christ.